the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Back by acclaim and public demand, Amala and Will, Will Witt and Amala Bunobi, young PragerU stars. You will love them. They will give you joy, laughter, insight, most of all, Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Will Witt here, joined by Amla Ekbenobi. <laughs> no, Dennis got your name right this time. He That's did. Fantastic. That's fantastic. We're really happy to be back. If you guys don't know who we are, what PragerU is, PragerU is a digital media company where we put out short videos on basically every topic there is. Topics on history, topics on politics, science, anything morality, anything that really Dennis Prager has ever talked about. We're making videos about it and pushing out our videos to... Now billions of people that we getting, are getting uh, educating the next generation. So Amla and I are very happy to be here. Yes, we are. And we're going to get into a little bit of our background because you might not have heard our voices before. You may have never met us. Uh, Will, do you want to cue it up and, and let everybody know your backstory? I'm pretty sure last time you started. So this time Did I'll I? start. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> so where I come from, I come from Colorado. And my entire life, I was someone who was on the left. I was an atheist. I grew up without... My dad really in the picture and my mom and my brother and my grandpa were really the ones who raised me in most respects. And so I turned to atheism. I turned to leftism. I basically thought a lot of the world was useless. I was very nihilistic at that point in my life. And eventually everything changed when I went to college because I went to the University of Colorado Boulder, which if any of you guys know about Boulder, you know it's the People's Republic of Boulder. And everything changed when I was an English major there and I was in sociology classes and political science classes. And one thing that I didn't talk about last time, but I want to talk about this time, is that when I became a conservative, eventually after being in these classes and seeing through the brainwashing and indoctrination, I would be in my political science course and my teacher was a total leftist and she would be talking about just how horrible the, the, the conservatives are and how horrible that the right is and everything like that. And so I would raise my hand every single day in class and I would say, actually, teacher, that's wrong. You know, <laughs> I would every single day try and school my teacher because she was saying wrong things and I wanted the other students to see. And then I would have other students in my class come up to me afterwards and they'd be like, hey, Will, like, I heard what you said in class today and I really like it. You think we could be friends? I just don't feel brave enough to say it. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be your friend. If you are not brave enough to be someone who is going to stand up in class or whatever circumstance when you are supposed to stand up for these values, then I don't see how you and I can be this, this, these friends. It's like if you have these values and you have these ideas, me becoming a conservative, right? Like I said, I was a leftist before. I dropped out of school after two years to move to Los Angeles with no money or anything to come and work for PragerU and make content and influence people and change people's minds. And I did that because I know that if I have all this information inside my head, all these values and ideas that I can influence influence people with, I have to do something about it. I feel called to go and do something about it and share those ideas. So like I said, I've been in Los Angeles now for about the past four years, started with an internship at PragerU back mm -hmm. when Dennis Prager 
didn't really know my name and forget <laughs> it, but now Dennis Prager and I are, you know, I, I don't want to say best friends, <laughs> but, you know, pretty much best pretty friends. Pretty good buddies. Yeah, pretty good pals. So it's just been an awesome ride. You know, my videos alone have acquired about 500 million views online, uh, made some mini documentaries, author of my book, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies, which you guys can pre-order online. I do national speaking. So it's just been, that's my story. That's where I came from. And yeah. Right. And I think Will and I both had very similar but different upbringings and and journeys into the political world. I'm new to PragerU. We're running on my my sixth month now. But hi, everybody. My name is Amal Epinobi. My background is I was raised by a single mother of three who happened to be a leftist fundraising uh, organizer. So she works currently for a leftist organization out in Florida and is doing their fundraising and grant writing and and things of that nature. So I grew up with that experience and, and that sort of influence for much of my young adult life and I was an atheist angry leftist and I carried that with me throughout middle school and high school and I was that kid who was constantly picking arguments with the kids that I knew were conservative anybody who would make any sort of statement that that leaned right or or was politically conservative I was going after and I was coming for their throats and there was nothing you could do to stop me well this is so surprising because if you guys know Amla most of you don't know her personally like I know Amla. Right. But Amla is one of the sweetest people I've ever met. You're now very, I am. You're very nice. <laughs> it's hard to have such a hard switch from being an angry leftist to someone who is very nice and open to hearing other people's ideas. Right. It was a, a journey. I think being on the left, you have this inherent disillusion with the world, with America, and you have a hatred because you feel like systems are against you, and that's how I felt. Now, contrary to Will, I didn't grow up in a leftist area. I grew up in a very rural, conservative, white area, and you couldn't have told me that conservatives were good people that they were kind. I would have believed the exact opposite, even though I never experienced that in my day-to-day life. So when I graduated high school, I started working for a leftist organization as a youth organizer, which meant that I was traveling around to middle schools and high schools, finding students who were already leaning left, pushing them further uh, to that side, getting them involved in protests and door knocking and activism, and then funneling them through our organization, which a lot of people don't recognize is that a lot of the, the young people who work for the left have been sort of recruited by these organizations. And that's exactly what I was doing. And through that work, I sort of realized that leftist ideology in no way supported my experience, uh, my beliefs and my values. And they started to question what I was hearing. And every day I would go into work and you would just hear blatant racism towards white people specifically. For those of you who don't know me, I was raised by my white family. So I couldn't understand and I couldn't grapple with the fact that I was working with people who hated the people that raised me, who hated half of who I was. And that sort of started a moral dilemma within my own mind. It started to question not only that, but everything I was doing for this organization. And when I brought up questions and concerns to to leadership at this nonprofit, nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. Nobody wanted to answer the questions that I had. So I was forced to go out and look for answers elsewhere. And through that, I found people like Dennis Prager. I found Prager University videos. I found Daily Wire. I found Tom Sowell. And those sort of influences, those kind conservatives who were just simply trying to explain fact to me and tell me, hey, I, I, I feel bad that you are brainwashed currently. I feel bad that you think that you're a victim, that you think that you're oppressed. Here's why you're not. And that sort of compassionate arguing woke me up and it made me want to do the same thing. So I spent about a year and a half studying my conservative views, working myself uh, from leftism over to conservatism and realizing the error of my ways. And then I started making videos online. Prager, you found me through that because they kind of took TikTok by storm, the platform that I started on. And now I'm here about five and a half months later. You're listening to all those racist Nazi bigots, it sounds like. Right. Got 
conservative <laughs> propaganda shoved down your throat. It's funny because that's exactly what I expected to hear from conservatives. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to go on the internet and I'm going to look this stuff up and I'm going to learn how oppressed I am and I'm going to learn how much people really hate me. And I got the exact opposite experience. That's the best thing about it. I think Amla and I have uh, a unique perspective on a lot of stuff because I'll hear from a lot of conservative people, lots of conservative talk show hosts or people online. It's like they were raised conservative their whole life and never really interacted with people on the left too much. I don't want to say that's bad. If you have kids, you should raise them conservative from the time they're young, okay? I'm Mm -hmm. not saying that's a bad thing. But I'm saying that a lot of people who have been conservative their whole life or maybe haven't been exposed to other ideas are missing out on a lot of, you know, what the left actually believes. When Amal and I are making debates on our show as well as on this show or whatever else we're doing, we're not strawmanning the argument because we were there. We know what these people on the left think because we were those leftists. We know what they believed in. So when we're fighting against their ideas, we can actually give people a very level-headed approach and say, hey, here's what worked for us. Here's here's what changed our minds. Mm -hmm. Here's how we can actually wake people up who are on the other side versus, you know, just conservative talking points from the 1980s that people have been using since Reagan. It's like those types of things aren't necessarily going to work. There's a a, a new way to influence conservative people now. Right. And it's so easy to hop into the political space and polarize it even more and say, I'm a conservative. I'm going to stick to the conservative people I know. I'm going to run through the talking points on that end. And I don't have any interest in talking to leftists or, or being friends with leftists or making any sort of relationship with them because they're they're beyond reach. They're beyond hope. But I am that leftist that you you left behind and that you didn't talk to. And I was as far left as probably anybody can imagine. And my mother now is as far left as, as I can imagine. So People coming out and being compassionate and talking to you can really make a lot of difference. And it doesn't matter how how far along you think a person is. They can be reached. You just have to do it in the right way. You just have to strike the chord with them. And it has to affect you you personally for you to really wake up and realize that. And Will, you had that experience, right? Yeah. Almost almost everyone can be reached. Right. There are some who are very far that can't be reached, okay? <laughs> I don't want to say that it's going to work for everyone. Sure. But even like Amala, like she was way further left than I was because she was speaking at March for Our Lives speeches mm-hmm. on, on our show, Will and Amla Live on PragerU. We went through her speech. We reacted to it. It was cringy. <gasps> it makes me cringe just yeah, thinking no, it about it. It was uh, something that I guarantee you guys wouldn't want to hear before, but now knowing Amla, it's good to look back and know. But guys, on PragerU, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. We showcase leftist videos. We showcase conservative videos. We discuss things that are happening right now in the world. And that is why PragerU is so important, because we are giving young people who are my age, who are Amla's age, the tools that they can use to actually battle against the leftist ideas that they're seeing every single day around them, on their campus, at their workplace, wherever it is. So make sure you go to PragerU.com. Donate today to help us continue our mission. We'll be back after the break. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor pain-free studio. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. 
And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. Everybody, we are your stand-in host for today. I'm Amal Epinobi. This is Will Witt. We're both with PragerU, where there are PragerU personalities. And if you've been reading the news at all this week or been on Twitter or Instagram or any sort of social media, you've been hearing about Afghanistan and the sort of tragic implications that are that are coming out of our, our subsequent departure from that country. Now, I wanted to play a clip from the Taliban government in regard to their treatment of women and the women's rights that they're planning to give them. So let's hear this clip. Hello, my name is Sharma Khabbas. I'm with Al-Jazeera English. I want to talk to you about women's rights and girls' rights. I'm concerned about whether women will be allowed to work, whether girls can still go to school. What assurances can you give to women and girls that their rights will be protected? Uh, women will be afforded all their rights, uh, whether it is in work or other activities, because women are a key part of society. And uh, we are guaranteeing all their rights within the limits of Islam. Wow. Wow. That's really promising. We're going to guarantee them all their rights within the limits of Islam. We've been seeing videos come out of Afghanistan right now where women have been treated. There's no better word to say it. It's just horribly. Women have been treated horribly in Afghanistan right now by the Taliban. And it's a stark difference to what we see in America right now. Because in America today, you go anywhere where there are people who are on the left and they will tell you that they are oppressed. Mm -hmm. Especially leftist women will tell you about the patriarchy and tell you about racism and all these different things. And tell you that you are so oppressed for living in America. What a lie that is when you can just do a simple look around the world. Look at what is happening right now in Afghanistan. Look at what's happening in Somalia, other places around the world, and say this is a real patriarchy, not what people are complaining about here in America. Right. Yet yet semantically, it's the same. And, and people on the left have gone sort of quiet in regard to what's happening in Afghanistan right now. And it really makes you think about what's important to, to people on the left, specifically the bureaucrats, the elites, and the people running mainstream media. It's more important that they uphold their falsehood, that they convince you of your own oppression and victimhood than to be truthful about what's actually happening here in America. Now, recently, I've been listening to the testimony of a young woman by the name of Yanmi Park. And she is a defector from North Korea, and she's gone through the the horrible existence that it is to live in North Korea as a young woman, was trafficked through through China, and then then eventually brought over to America. And she talks about the, the oppression that she faced in North Korea, yet she says that real oppression is to know that you are not oppressed. And, and to, to not even realize that the oppression is occurring. Yet in America, we are so well aware of all the oppression that we're, that we're experiencing. I'm so aware of, of the, the patriarchy that I face as a woman and the racism that I face as a black woman. Oh, yeah. When fast food companies are oppressing me with their racism, I know straight up exactly what's happening, right? <laughs> Everything. But it's wild because look at what you have in America, okay? Mm-hmm. The left will come on and they will say America is built on all of this racism and patriarchy. And then they'll claim that the, the founding of this country, they'll claim that the Constitution, they'll say that the major institutions in America, like the mainstream media, Hollywood, the universities, all of these things have institutional racist structures, mm-hmm. patriarchal structures, 
conservative structures that keep minorities and these progressive down. And it's like if all of the biggest institutions in America, the government, university, Hollywood, academia, like if all of these major institutions in America were against the left and progressives and minorities, why would they all constantly be preaching about these very issues? Shouldn't mm -hmm. they be trying to silence that type of speech? Right. Shouldn't they be trying to silence speech that disagrees with their overall institutional oppression? Of right. course not. If there was really this racist, oppressive country, you wouldn't have every single major institution in America being controlled by the left. But what you have in America is the left and all of these major institutions have lied to you. They have told you that conservatives are the, the party of the rich and that we're the ones up top pulling the strings and, and trying to control people. Look at Aspen, Colorado. In 2016, Aspen, Colorado went 45 points above for Hillary Clinton than did Donald Trump in the 2016 election, right? In Washington, D.C., the major districts there that are incredibly wealthy, some of the wealthiest places in America, went for Hillary Clinton. The left is the party of the rich, the party of these people who control these institutions mm -hmm. and then tell you that you are being oppressed by conservatives who aren't in these institutions in the first place. Right. And let's break it down specifically in regard to patriarchy. Like we said, what we're seeing right now in Afghanistan under Taliban rule is truly patriarchy. It is women having absolutely no rights and being subjugated by the men in their nation. Yet we're being told that there's a patriarchy here in America. Now, I've said this over and over. I'll say it again. I, it's never been a better time to be me in this country. It's never been a better time to be a black female. It's never been a worse time to be you, Will. It's never been a worse time to be a white male. And when we talk about patriarchy, oftentimes the left and the feminists will tell you, oh, well, I'm looking at it through the lens of sexual assault and rape, and that's why we live in a patriarchy. But there are so many other lenses to look at the world through. And when it comes to uh, different societal factors, let's look at suicide, depression, anxiety, homelessness, jail time, fatherlessness. Men are the ones who are most affected by these oppressive factors and these horrible uh, prerequisites to not being successful. So in what way do we live in a patriarchy today? I'm oppressing you, Amelie. <laughs> I, I feel I it. Cut off, I, let's I cut off her mic so I can oppress her some more. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like, uh, even though for white straight men, as I am myself, mm -hmm. if you're only listening to this, you can't see my glorious mustache and whiteness. But if you are <laughs> watching this, you can see. But even as someone who, as Amala points out, it's a it's a tough time to be that type of person in America. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say it's like all bad for my people. I don't want to come on and say that I am oppressed or anything like that no. because, you know, because – one thing that conservatives do that leftists don't, and going back to Ayn Rand, where Ayn Rand talks about the individual as the smallest minority, conservatives look at people as individuals and say, look, Amala, she's a she's black, she's a conservative, all this, but that stuff doesn't necessarily matter. It right. matters what her values and her insight is. Well, straight white male, the left will say, oh, he's a straight white male, and group me in with other straight white males, mm -hmm. where a real conservative will look at me and say, Will believes this. Right. Will really loves disc golf. Will really loves... <laughs> Uh, pizza with anchovies on it, whatever it is, right? But they'll look at my individual factors and break it down that way instead of saying, oh, he's part of this larger group. And the left works on collectivism. Collectivism, right. they put the good of the society, quote unquote, above the good of the individual. You know, you, you've heard millions of times for the greater good. 
more no more more harm has been done in the name of the greater good than any other ideology in history. Right, and let's let's truly break it down and say that those little things like what Will values and what I value in our family life are far more important and far more indicative of where we're going to be in the future than our skin tone or our gender. And and Tom Sowell breaks this a lot breaks this down a lot in discrimination and disparities. He talks about the fact that prerequisites like do you have both parents in the household? Did your parents read to you? Did you go to school and get a proper education? education are far more important and are going to show you how successful you are going to be in the future than your skin tone or your gender. And that's what we try to talk about a lot at PragerU. Now, Will, you want people to call in. Can you give them the number? Of course I do. Everyone, call in, even if you hate us. <laughs> we might even prefer you to call in if you hate us. 1-8-Prager-776. You can call in 1-8-Prager-776. You can come on, compliment us, <laughs> ask us questions, whatever it is. And remember, that if you guys love these conservative values, you love freedom-loving values, that you make sure that you go to PragerU.com and check out every single thing that we're doing because we are influencing the next generation. If you support what we're doing, support Dennis Prager and us, go to PragerU.com, donate today. We'll be the back Dennis after the Prager break. Show. Don't you get tired of commercials screaming at you to buy gold now with inflated promises on future values? In an unregulated industry, you need honest, real experts to give you solid advice to protect your wealth and top picks on the best coins and bullion. As environmental policy becomes a hot topic, one precious metal that's been significantly undervalued for years is potentially set to surge. Nick Grovich, owner of AmFed Coin and Bullion, has long recommended this precious metal. Up to 600,000 ounces of this rare metal will be needed by 2030 to produce green hydrogen. Nick is doubling down on this pick, and you should too. Call Nick at AmFed Coin and Bullion to find out more. I've been friends with Nick for years, and he's my go-to guy when it comes to coins and bullion. I trust him. That's a very big statement, by the way. Call Nick at 800-221-7694, 800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. Good morning, everybody, or good evening, or afternoon, wherever you are. I don't know where you are. Right. Hopefully just listening, enjoying Amla and I voices talking about awesome things. <laughs> Sometimes not so awesome, though. Sometimes not so awesome. Like well, listen, it's, it's, it's awesome when we talk about it, okay? Because we're giving people the insight to fight back. That's what PragerU does. Wow, Will. If things at PragerU don't work out, you have an amazing career ahead of you in ad reading. Have you ever heard of Relief Factor? <laughs> I'm ready to do it. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Guys, the story we want to talk about on this segment today, we live in California. We live in Los Angeles specifically. And things – I hate to say it, but things just seem to be getting worse. Yeah. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. And I've only been here for a short period of time, but I've seen it sort of descend into madness and it seems like it's getting worse. In just about the last four years that I've been here, even in four years, which isn't really that long of time – it has gotten worse, and with the COVID lockdowns and the restrictions and the mask mandates, things have gotten even worse. San Francisco, which is right up north from us, about five-hour drive, has put in vaccine passports in within their city. So this means that I think it's going into effect later in September. But this means that if you go to a gym, an indoor restaurant, um, some sort of entertainment, you right. have to be vaccinated. New York City just put out their list of places that you have to be vaccinated for as well. And then Palm Springs, I believe, did the same thing. And I can only imagine that Los Angeles is not going to be beat out by New York in terms of leftism. And they are going to choose to do the exact same thing. The entire state of California just made it so that you, if, if you have a, an event with over a thousand people at it, 
then you all have to be vaccinated as well. How they actually enforce something like that, I don't know. I'm just only going to be doing events for 999 people, I guess, in the future. (laughs) But how are they going to enforce that? I don't know. But it seems to me that if you go on Twitter and you look at the comments underneath these announcements, mainstream news is reporting on these types of things, people are totally fine Mm -hmm. with going and giving up their freedom. Right. And it begs the question, do we even cherish freedom in this nation anymore? And with the commentary that I'm seeing on this, of of course, it's from the left mostly. But I'm I'm finding that people don't even understand what it means to live in a free society anymore. And it's because we're so detached from our history, our founding, what it means to have freedom, liberty, your pursuit of happiness. Uh, It's... It's scary to think that it's not even a value that we hold dear anymore. So people are not even familiar with it. And as somebody who worked in medicine before coming to PragerU, it's it's amazing to me to see how fast uh, our, our HIPAA violations and that sort of legislation was thrown out the window. Now you can ask anybody about their medical information. And we, we're at a turning point right now at a society. We need to do something now before it gets beyond this, before it gets to vaccine mandates where you are. Really, our turning point was back when COVID-19 first was uh, announced and they went through the first lockdown measure they shut down our economy they forced everybody to be in our homes that should have been when people started questioning uh, whether or not we were headed down the path of tyranny but we 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 didn't we allowed the government to lock us down we allowed them to shut down the economy and now here we are we've tested uh, they tested us and, and they said how how much do you value freedom and we told them that we don't value it at all so now they're pushing the bounds of it and they're trying to find out where the line is and look at australia right now absolutely insane what is happening there people are being arrested Arrested for going outside. They can't even drink outdoors. And Democrats in New, in New York City, a congressman in New York City just introduced a bill here in America that you can't fly domestically unless you're vaccinated. Look, go get vaccinated. Go do whatever you want, okay? It's your body, your choice. All right, we're going to use that argument now as conservatives. <laughs> but people think that there is this sort of consensus of people, and I'm going to get into this in the next segment, but we're running out of time on this segment. So right. if go, go call 1-8-Prager-776. Get on the phone with us, 1-8-Prager-776, so that we can take your calls on the next segment and talk about all of the craziness going on. And if you support everything that Amla is talking about, what I talk about, even what Dennis Prager talks about, <laughs> then you can go to PragerU.com and support us by donating to our nonprofit so that we can keep our videos free, keep reaching young people like me, and changing more and more minds. We will be right back after the break. Thank you. The Dennis Prager Show. Will Witt here and Amla Ekpanobi. We are back talking to you guys this morning. Remember, if you want to be on the show, talk to Amla and I about whatever it is that you want to talk about. 1-8-Prager-776. Get your phone out and call us. 1-8-Prager-776. Now, I want to, before we get into some of these calls, I want to finish my thoughts from last one. And I've talked about on this show before about the majority versus the minority, Mm -hmm. that apparently people think that because they are in the majority, it makes them virtuous for being in that consensus. But what is wrong in America when you have this consensus of people is that people think that because you have this consensus, it makes you morally right. And what did we have in the 1930s in Nazi Germany? What did we have? Basically, every single doctor and every single medical institution in Germany agreed with the Third Reich. And many of them, hundreds of them, joined the Nazis in their experimentation and the horrible things that the Nazis did. And those were doctors in Germany, okay? And so just because we have this group of doctors in America right now who say, oh, we all agree with this quote-unquote science and all this from the CDC and all that, does not mean that everything they are saying is true or even morally right, okay? 
okay? Right. So I just want people to look at it and say when people come up to you and say, well, all these doctors agree and all these, all these people in my, in my history class agree and all these people in my work agree, that doesn't mean that they are right. And you can be a warrior by fighting against people who want to oppress you through their use of the majority, okay? Be a strong minority as in the strongest individual who stands up for what they believe in. All right, let's get into some of these calls. Just had to finish that up because I thought I sounded pretty smart there. Okay, all right, let's get into Lynn from Los Angeles, California. Lynn? Hi there, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful, Lynn. Great, how are you? Um, Doing okay, but feeling quite concerned. I'm here in the belly of the beast, Los Angeles, where the... L.A. City Council, the County Board of Supervisors, LAUSD, are all um, voting for vaccine mandates for teachers, healthcare workers, state and federal employees, and in some cases, children, uh, school children. Uh, and it's, it is very, very, um, I'll say there are a lot of people that are very frightened, don't know what to do. People are literally being, uh, who, who cannot be vaccinated for, let's say, medical reasons or religious uh, beliefs. I know. Reasons, or they, it's they absolutely crazy, Lynn. To- Thank you, Lynn. Appreciate the call. Mm-hmm. I, I, it is, it's a scary time, but what, what I can say is the silver lining is that there's never been a better time to stand up and fight against this sort of stuff. And it's going to prove uh, your character and your, your moral value if you do so. It is very easy to, to go with the grain and to submit to people and to do exactly what they say because your life will be easier. Your job isn't threatened. You know, people aren't going to be mad at you in your community. But it's an even bigger feat to, to stand up and, and go against the grain and say, no, I'm not going to do that. And, and when you do so, later down the line, you will be so proud of yourself for doing that, for standing up. And you're also going to find that there's a large community of people who will back you up. Will and I know that. We're going to be attending a rally this Saturday. Will, you want to tell them about that? Yeah, we are. I'm speaking and I'm listening to the national anthem which she's nervous for, but she's going to do a fantastic job mm-hmm. at noon at 1615 Ocean Avenue. That's Tongva Park. I believe I'm saying that right yep. in Santa Monica, but it's 1615 Ocean Avenue. You can come meet me, come meet Amla, mm-hmm. come hear me speak and Amla sing the national anthem. I hope to see every single Californian there in Los, or Los Angeles, see in Los Angelino. Los Angelino. Los Angelino. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, whatever you guys are called. They're supporting us and showing that you aren't going to say no to this. And let's look at just, I mean, the vaccine mandates for teachers and for schools and everything. And then the mask mandates for kids going back to school. You understand that children have a 99.99% rate of survival from this virus, right? right? It is absolutely insane. What do the masks do? What do the masks do? Well, let's look at Afghanistan right now when they're implementing Sharia law. Mm-hmm. They're putting women in these hijabs and, and the burqas basically covering their face so that they are not seen by other people, mm-hmm. okay? So that people cannot understand them and see their nonverbal communications through the 42 muscles that you have in your face. What are you doing when you put children in these masks in their schools? You can't understand any of the nonverbal communication that is going on between children. So they're not able to communicate with each other. These, this is going to have detrimental effects on society and people growing up in America for the unforeseeable future. It's going to be a travesty with this. You want to take another call, Will? Sure. Let's, let's do it. Let's take another call. <laughs> All right. Let's take, let's take Tony. Tony in Santa Clarita, California. Huh? Hello, Tony. <laughs> Hey, Angela, when you were a teenager and you were a radical leftist, and you said if someone offended you, you would get into their throat and, and start 
yelling at them. Right. If you were a if you were a boy and someone got violent with you, would you go complain? Or if you had a boyfriend who did the same and someone got violent with him, would you go complain? Because a verbal assault is an assault, and you could combat it with violence if you have to. Oh, no, it wasn't really anything like that. Uh, it was more so when I was in school and I knew uh, somebody was conservative, which was basically everybody growing up where I was. Uh, I would be the one who in speech class was going to give a five minute speech on abortion or the legacy of slavery and why there are still remnants of racism. And I would do so in a very passionate and, and angry way. Uh, it was never any sort of uh, aggression or, or assault that I experienced, uh, although I would have probably told everybody that it was because I was a leftist and that. That's what they do. <laughs> but uh, I was always uh, sort of well-temperamented, but yeah, always try to be kind. No, Amala used to go and give the conservative kids wedgies, <laughs> give them swirlies after class. Yeah, if you saw my little noodle arms, you would know that that's not the case. <laughs> All right, let's take one more call. We're going to take it from Joe from Chicago, Illinois. What's going on, Joe? Hey, guys, great show. Re- re- really impressed by your guys' uh, opinions and knowledge. I'm a 57-year-old white male, live in Chicago, right. and I used to love Chicago. Born and raised here, it is turned into re- really uh, just just a hellhole. And my problem in my call, and it was more related to Amala, I find myself fighting racism mm-hmm. that I never had before. As I'm being shoved down my throat, we have a mayor, we have... Uh, uh, it is uh, everywhere, Joe. I appreciate right. it. Thank you for the call, Joe. The racism is real, and it is real on the side of, of being a white male in America, and it's a really tough thing to have to grapple with, while at the same time the mainstream media is telling us that black people are oppressed, that Hispanic people are oppressed, that Asian people are oppressed. There is no sympathy for the white male in this nation. Uh, and we talk about that more at PragerU. If you guys want to support us, please leave a donation at PragerU.com slash donate. We'll be right back. The Dennis Prager Show. Your stand-in hosts, Amla Vanobi and Will Witt, are back, you personalities. I wanted to give just a quick note to the last call from Joe and say that, yes, racism towards white people specifically, specifically white males, is growing in America. The best thing that you can do to combat that is to sort of take the blame away from white people. There's no reason you should be punished for the transgressions of your ancestors. And another thing that you can do is dispel the myth of systemic racism in America. And I want to do that with this story that I'm going to tell. Uh, Will and I on our daily show, Will and Amala Live, which is every day at 2.30 PST, 5.30 Eastern on YouTube and Facebook, uh, on PragerU, we talk Talk about different historical events, and a person that I want to highlight is somebody by the name of Joe Lewis Clark. You may not have ever heard of him. His uh, other moniker is the Batman. Now, Joe Lewis Clark was born in 1937 in Georgia, a time which would have been illustrated as peak racism in America. Yet Joe Lewis Clark was able to ascend that. He ended up graduating high school. He went to college. He received an honorary doctorate and eventually became uh, a military drill sergeant. And this is, of course, a young black man in America during the the 1960s. And he imagined he imagined himself to be successful and made himself prevail. Now, after becoming a drill sergeant, he left that job and became the principal of Eastside High School, a school that was completely wrought with drug violence and uh, gang violence and prostitution. And in doing so, he would walk around the halls with a baseball bat and a bullhorn, and he would threaten any student that was coming to push drugs or to create violence or to start uh, uh, gang-associated groups at the school. And he turned it around. In his first week, he expelled over 300 students. And what would you know, East 
Eastside High School became a well-performing school. The whole community cleaned up. The school test scores went up. And Joe Lewis Clark was able to give hope to an entire group of young black Americans in Patterson, New Jersey. Right, but the, you know, the left thinks that the only way that you can actually fix these quote-unquote systemic problems are through oppression and taking down the institutions and tearing them all down, when in reality, you can just have people who are hard and don't sacrifice their values mm -hmm. and make sure that people are held accountable for their actions, and you can do a lot of good. And I want to come on and say one more thing. If you're talking to people about racism and stuff, you can pre-order my book, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies, which is now available on Amazon, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies by Will Witt, which gives you the tools so that you can talk to people about racism, climate change, all the biggest issues of the day. And also, much of what's in that book is inspired by my work at PragerU. PragerU is... My life, essentially, mm -hmm. okay? Not Dennis, but PragerU in general. <laughs> and it's a resource for people where they can find the right information that is happening right now in the world, where they can learn about American values and American history and learn how to take those ideas and change other people's minds. Make sure you go to PragerU.com, check us out, and donate today. Thanks, guys. We'll be back. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor Pain-Free Studio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 